Hello, welcome to episode five of CVA University. Today we'll be discussing peripheral arterial disease, AKA PAD. We sat down with Dr. Jan Skavronsky, who is a thought leader in the interventional cardiology world and peripheral interventions to discuss why he is passionate about what he does and specifically what cardiologists do to help preserve your arteries and your limbs. And more importantly, help save limbs from being amputated. Uh, cardiology does not only just focus on the heart, but all of the veins and arteries. And Dr. Skavronsky specializes in making sure that your peripheral arteries uh, retain blood flow and work as they should. So, Dr. Skavronsky, thank you for sitting down with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. So, I gave a quick intro about what you do. Interventional cardiology with an emphasis on peripheries, right? That is correct. So I enjoy it immensely. Every single day I show up for work. So I was kind of, as I was learning about cardiology, I was totally focused on all cardiologists just deal with your heart. But I was, um, you know, it was interesting to find out that the picture is much bigger than that and that you specifically, you like dealing with extremities and, you know, there's no other way to say it. You like saving people's limbs from being amputated. Is that... Is that the right thing to say? Yes, it is. But, uh, well, as you know, and especially in 2020, what we see that the world evolves very quickly. So uh, 25 years ago, you would be right saying that cardiologists deal only with the heart. So let me respond with an anecdote. The guy I trained under, Professor Jay Cohn out of University of Minnesota, uh, they had cardiology department in 1970s and in 1980s. And around 1985, well, even before I went to medical school, he actually went to the chairman of University of Minnesota and said, I'm changing the name of the department from heart department to cardiovascular department. And every, everyone on the board of the university said, what? Aren't heart doctors supposed to deal with the heart? And he basically told them, guys, this is all just all connected. This is just one, one system. The arteries and veins and the heart are all connected. And most diseases affecting the heart also affect the peripheral blood vessels. And that's what I, that's what I do. So I, I guess when, you, when you're getting to know a patient or, or viewing a patient, it's, it's a good thing to be able to not only deal with their heart, but like you said, cardiovascular, you can see the whole picture. So I think one of the criticisms that I believe patients should have, and probably many of them, if not most of them have, that medicine is quite compartmentalized. So, you know, you have a doctor for the head, you have a doctor for the neck and doctor for the arm and heart and, and something else. And in the cardiovascular system, uh, again, this is just one system uh, and the diseases affecting it uh, usually affect the heart and affect other blood vessels. So having an insight into peripheral vascular disease, into the veins and arteries of the patient also helps you keep the whole cardiovascular health in a better shape than just the heart. Heart is just a piece. So let's talk about peripheral vascular disease. Um, I introduced it earlier as PAD, peripheral arterial disease. Uh, they're, they're both different, and that's the main thing I hear you talk about. And as you're, 
the things I see you doing, that's what you deal most with in our labs. So can you talk about PAD, kind of what your experience with it is, especially here in the South? We're in Birmingham, Alabama, which is, as you've said, uh, the capital of vascular disease. Always thought that's interesting. Yes, I actually heard that line or that phrase going to a conference that uh, Southern United States is the world capital of vascular disease. Um, in fact, we treat a lot of patients who have blocked arteries and blocked veins, uh, especially in lower extremities, but not only. So PAD is essentially a disease of the cardiovascular system that peripheral blood vessels get clogged or blocked, not leaving adequate blood supply to limbs of the uh, patient. And we, I would say, most often treat lower extremities, the legs, that don't get adequate blood flow, but we also very often treat other parts of the vascular system. Uh, so arteries supplying the brain, upper extremities. Uh, we do a lot of procedures on blocked arteries, including the, the, the belly or the kidneys and, and so on. So walk me through what happens when someone has a blocked artery. Well, uh, I, I think the correct uh, question to, to ask uh, would be what doesn't happen rather than what happens because PAD is a hugely underdiagnosed under disease. And people usually that I see come at the late stages of the game, meaning that they are on the verge of losing the limb and nobody knows about it, including, uh, including the patient. It's actually PAD is relatively, uh, it's simple on, on, on one side to diagnose, but it's difficult and challenging to, di to diagnose, diagnose from a different angle. You, you, you know, you, you're, you're a young guy, so you probably don't go to doctors. But if we have listeners who are, let's say, over the age of uh, 55, you know, the chances that they have been to a doctor at least several times over the last five years. And I would challenge anyone listening to this program if, they, if the doctor would ever inspect their feet or pulses in lower extremities or would check his uh, patient's pulses in the on the femoral arteries in the groins. That just doesn't happen. Medicine just goes too quickly. The uh, clinic visits are too fast to undress patients and get them in the gowns. So usually uh, PAD is diagnosed late, and most cases that I repair, most uh, patients that I try to help, they're on the verge of uh, basically having an amputation. So just to arm our listeners, um, that test that you mentioned where uh, – getting your blood, your pulse, and your feet specifically. Is yes. that ABI? Yes. So there is a, there is a really, really – so let me backtrack you and, and, and get a little bit deeper here. So, again, if you as a patient had some tests, they usually look scary and complicated. You get – as a patient, you get put into some kind of a fancy 21st century machine with a with, with bunch of uh, lights and, and strange sounds, either a CAT scanner or, or MRI or, or some fancy ultrasounds. And uh, there is one very simple test that should be available literally in every physician's office, and it's called a Ankle Brachial Index, or ABI. And it's the principle is super simple. So you essentially measure the blood pressure on the arm, and you measure the blood pressure on the leg. If you have a huge difference, then the blood pressure on the arm is much higher than the blood pressure on the leg, then your ABI becomes abnormal, and you basically make a diagnosis of peripheral arterial disease. And the, the test is cheap and uh, has very high degree of accuracy. That's great to know something so simple can help diagnose this, this issue. Yes, um, and, I, and I think this is uh, in a way an exception in contemporary medicine that such a cheap 
and simple test is so accurate. Right. Um, I have some risk factors that you know would lead you or elevate uh, your desire to get this test as smoking, diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or a family history. Um, I would say each one of those things magnifies the chance that you could have some type of PAD, correct? Yes, absolutely. And uh, there are some uh, guidelines to screen patients for uh, uh, PAD. So if you have at least two of these risk factors that you so eloquently mentioned, um, you should probably actually consider going to medical school if, if you want. I'm sure you would be a great doctor. And uh, uh, so anyone who has at least two of these risk factors or is over 65 years old should have at least every five years a test for a PAD. And let me tell you why. I mentioned before that a lot of patients, if not majority of patients I treat, are on the verge of uh, losing a limb, an amputation. And uh, I would imagine that living uh, uh, with one leg is, is just not a lot of fun every day. Um, and uh, we can save most of those limbs, but we cannot win in every single case. So the data, the scientific data shows that uh, 50% of patients with something what we call critical limb ischemia, um, uh, meaning really bad blood flow to the legs, they actually can come very late in the game and they don't have classic symptoms that you read in a medical student book. So that's why it is important to screen uh, patients. So I want to run some um, basically 10 facts, not, not even 10, but some facts I came up with about PAD by you. And then I want to come back because not being a physician myself, I got these from the internet and I can't help but, but think some of our listeners get some of their symptoms, uh, whether it be for PAD, anything hurting in their chest, in their heart, or even something like COVID, and the first thing they do is go online. Let's actually just talk about that first. Perfect. First thing they might do is go online, Google their symptoms, um, and just off to the races, a whole lot of bad news and stuff to, to wade through. What would you say to somebody doing that? Yeah, so um, I think the mantra on the street uh, a decade ago was that it was just a bad idea for the patient to look up different medical things. I actually vehemently, strongly disagree with it. I, we really like patients who know about their symptoms, who try to research or search their symptoms, and if they're diagnosed with any type of a medical condition, they actually know something about it. And the more they know, the higher chance they have of a really good outcome because they get themselves on the same level with the physician and they can eloquently discuss their symptoms, their response to medications or, or treatment. So I personally strongly support patients getting edu educated from uh, different sources about their conditions. However, don't, don't make a mistake about it. They, they, they are some... Uh, highly unreliable sources and uh, almost like medical conspiracy theories about all kinds of conditions. So, so we support patients' education from reliable sources, but this is exactly where the doctor comes to discuss it and to guide the patient through the treatment or prevention process. That's great to know. Um, so specifically the facts I mentioned pulling before. Some of these were just fascinating to me. Um, some of them are, of course, 
more or less common sense. Um, one in three diabetics. If you're if you're diabetic, you'll you have a higher chance of suffering from PAD over the age of fifty. Um, I, some things that jumped out to me though that I, I found so interesting: uh, PAD affects six times more people worldwide than HIV. I just thought that was interesting. Smoking increases the likelihood of developing PAD by four hundred percent. And if I could say one thing about that, um, years ago I assisted in orthopedic surgery. Little off track, but. I was amazed to find out that smokers, their bones wouldn't heal in their extremities as well as people who didn't smoke. Um, I think that could kind of be segued into what we're talking about with PAD and an increased risk of PAD if you have if you smoke by 400%. Like your extremities are not getting the blood flow or not getting the oxygen that they need, right? So let me start with smoking. Um, my personal friend is a plastic surgeon. And she would not do plastic surgery on patients who smoke because patients' arteries get very constricted with smoking, not allowing adequate blood supply and appropriate healing after uh, not only plastic surgery, but any surgery. So smoking and surgery don't go hand in hand. They are not friends. They are, they are not friends. They are not close. So my friend uh, literally demands patients uh, who want to undergo plastic surgery to quit smoking at least a month before surgery to allow better blood flow for uh, for future uh, healing and uh, you listed the risk factors for PAD absolutely correctly but this is uh, in a way a fascinating disease that uh, you mentioned diabetes and smoking among uh, other risk factors but it's true those two are the strongest predictors of uh, peripheral arterial disease what we see as operators that uh, patients with diabetes usually have blocked arteries below the knee and patients who smoke but don't have diabetes have blocked arteries above the knee in their femoral arteries and in the arteries in the hips. And there is a lot of research going on to find out why is that so, uh, but I don't really think there is any definitive answer. So uh, speaking of below the knee, um, I thought it was interesting, and this is from 2014, but approximately 150,000 lower limb amputations in the U.S. can be attributed to PAD each year. I thought that was a lot of limbs. Yeah, that's a lot of limbs. And I, again, I can only sympathize and imagine the quality of life of living with uh, one leg or without legs. It just must be really poor poor quality of life for, for, for a patient. Uh, uh, so yes, this is very important to try to save save the limbs. Right. And another another, if I may just continue please. briefly, um, another fact that is, uh, in my best opinion, outrageous, is that about forty percent of patients who undergo amputations in the United States, which is supposed to be the richest country in the world they undergo their amputations without ever having an angiogram and a chance to treat blocked arteries in the legs. Hold on a second, back up. I'm not backing up. Hold on, no, that, I think that's a, that is a, big, that's a big data point. How many people have an amputation without getting an angiogram? So Yeah, so angiogram is a test uh, that allows you to see the arteries supplying different parts of the body 
And since we're talking about the legs, then we're talking about the leg angiogram. So about 40% of patients who undergo amputations in the U.S. never had an angiogram done. And angiogram allows uh, the operator, either interventional cardiologist or a vascular surgeon or a radiologist, to try to repair blocked arteries, either above the knee or below the knee. So they've had an amputation without having all the facts. Correct. So that's a shame. It's, uh, that's, uh, I think it's unacceptable. It should be unacceptable in our society. Well, the good news is we have interventional cardiologists that deal with peripheral interventions like yourself that will do angiograms like that, will do an alternative workup on a patient and save limbs. Yes, we, we save a lot of limbs uh, on, on patients. Uh, and sometimes we have some absolutely tremendous saves. Sometimes we look at really, really badly, completely 100% blocked arteries. And what we do in most cases, we can actually save limbs without doing an open uh, surgery that the surgeon would cut and bypass. We can go inside the arteries into, even if they are completely blocked, even if the segment of the blockage is 10 inches or longer, then we can thread tiny wires and balloons and stands and different type of rotor routers, and we can repair them. That's great to know that there are other options, um, because another stat I've seen is up to 50% of people with PAD are asymptomatic, meaning they have no symptoms, they don't even know they have it. So uh, very often, up to 45-50% of cases, patients with something called critical limb ischemia, which is kind of the badness of peripheral arterial disease, meaning uh, impending amputation, right. they never had convincing symptoms from a, uh, from a classic uh, medical student's book. And you can imagine, um, well, remember your, your own grandma or grandpa. When they were in their 70s, they probably were saying that uh, their legs hurt. And uh, in elderly population, legs just hurt by definition, and they can hurt for different reasons. They can hurt because of arthritis, they can hurt because the nerve endings are affected, but they can also hurt uh, because of uh, bad blood flow. So it's one bad blood flow or peripheral arterial disease is only one of the uh, one of the few reasons. Uh, but I think as a society, we just accepted that if grandma talks about uh, legs hurting, well, grandma is old, grandma is 80, so legs are supposed to hurt. But that's, uh, that's not the case. Sometimes it's just PAD that, and we can salvage and help these patients. So let's put a few takeaways together from our time today. Um, one, it sounds like everyone should be requesting an ABI from their physician? Well, I, I think if they have uh, risk factors, if they're over the age of 55, if they have uh, diabetes, if they are smokers, and especially if they have some relatively mysterious symptoms in their legs, if their legs are weak, if they have difficulty walking, if they hurt during, during walking or even at night, if their legs uh, wake them up from, from sleep or if they are heavy. They should request a test for peripheral arterial disease. That's a pretty big takeaway, but I think it could really benefit a lot of our listeners just to know that so they can tell their family and friends, their communities, you know, there is an option for PAD. There is an option for you if you have leg pain. It's not just something that you have to live with. You know, as you said, grandma, grandpa over the age of 70, it's not something you have to live with. There are answers. So 
Yes, I would uh, I would ag- agree with that statement. All right. Um, I also want to share with you why most of the procedures I do are on peripheral blood vessels rather than the heart. And I still repair a lot of hearts, but uh, my absolute passion is to deal with uh, long segments of uh, blockages in the body, in the peripheral blood vessels. From an operator's perspective, uh, and this may be a little egoistic what I'm about to say, but these cases are just much more challenging. But at the end of the day, they're, they're just much more fun. They're, they're difficult, uh, but they give you just a great reward that, uh, that you can help the patient. Well, that's great news. Uh, I think we've covered a lot here today, Dr. Skowronski, and just can't thank you enough for sitting down and you know it, it, telling us some of your passions, what you're into, and appreciate all the good work you're doing here in Birmingham, Alabama. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be here, and uh, if you and our listeners uh, uh, can hear my accent, this is definitely not mobile Alabama. Uh, I'm actually Polish. I was born and raised there. I've been here for a little less than three years, uh, coming from Chicago, and uh, I can only say that it has been wonderful for me and my family. And just the southern hospitality and the way me and my family were accepted in the community here is just absolutely wonderful. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and for sharing some of your expertise with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Episode 5 of CVA University with Dr. Jan Skavronski. This podcast is the educational component of Cardiovascular Associates of the Southeast in Birmingham, Alabama, If you have any questions, email us at education at cvapc.com or visit our website at cvapc.com. Thank you.